Howdy, welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. It is the third hour, six after the hour. We should get going. I'm happy to take your phone calls, by the way. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. I have debated, you know, I do an outline of the show each hour. I want to talk about this, that, and the other, and I've gone back and forth on what I wanted to talk about right now. And I think I need to talk about this. Afghanistan. No, I'm not talking about the collapse of Afghanistan. The collapse of Afghanistan, though, is happening. Uh, Afghanistan is, is headed towards something really, really bad. This is from Reuters. Uh, It's at the CNN website. Afghanistan will shortly collapse into chaos unless the international community acts rapidly. Swedish and Pakistani ministers warned on Saturday. Afghanistan plunged into crisis after the hardline Islamist Taliban movement drove out the Western-backed government in August, triggering the abrupt end of billions of dollars in assistance to its aid-dependent economy. The country's on the brink of collapse, and that collapse is coming faster than we thought. Swedish Development Minister Per Olsen Fried told Reuters in Dubai. He said economic freefall could provide an environment for terrorist groups to thrive, but that Sweden would not channel money through the Taliban, instead boosting its humanitarian contributions through Afghan civil society groups. Many countries... And multilateral institutions have halted development assistance but increased humanitarian aid since August, reluctant to legitimize the new Taliban rulers. Afghanistan is collapsing, and it is going to be a hotbed of terrorism. It is going to provide a safe haven, a petri dish, wherein the worst of the worst can spread, learn from each other, and extract and enact terrorist pain around the world. All of it was foreseeable. Every bit of it was foreseeable. We haven't talked about Afghanistan a lot. But here is why I bring it up. We are now on October 25th. Today is October 25th. We left Afghanistan by the end of August. President Biden wanted the symbolism of September 11th. The Taliban set up their new government on September 11th. We were gone by the end of August. I talk about Afghanistan today. Two months removed from our leaving Afghanistan because... A series of polls, including the Gallup poll, have come out in the last week. And Afghanistan is still on the minds of the American public. It's not just on their minds. It is the precipitating event that has led to the collapse of Joe Biden's polling. The environment into which the Democrats have headed is a bad environment for the Democrats. Just think about it. You've got inflation on the rise. They now say it's not transitory. 
It will stick around for more than a year. Food prices are up. Gas prices are up. Your basics at the grocery store, they've all gotten more expensive. Income is not up, and yet this administration continues to say uh, the shortages are there because people's incomes are up. Actually, with inflation factored in, incomes are down significantly. And even without inflation, they're not up by much. President Biden's approval ratings have continued to go down. When you go back to August, there really weren't a lot of polls that had Biden down. You get to the end of August, and he's up six in the Harris poll, but then he's down 14 in the USA Today poll, and that seemed to be an anomaly. But then he was tied in the USA Today poll, and then Politico had him up two, and Economist had him up two, and Reuters had him up three, and then Politico had him down two, and Economist had him up one. But a remarkable thing happened. At the end of August, beginning of September, Joe Biden started cratering in the polls. And I want to read you the numbers. And this is going to be a minute. This is going to be a minute. But I need you to just follow along with me here. The end of August, the NPR poll had him down eight. The beginning of September, ABC News had him down seven. Emerson polling had him down one. Reuters had him down two. IBD tip poll had him up two. And then the second week of September, he's down nine in The Economist. Just two weeks before, he had been up one. And then he's up one in the Reuters poll, where a few weeks before, he had been up three. And then by September 9th, in the run-up to September 11th, Trafalgar Group has him down 10, and you can say, well, they're a Republican-leaning group, and then Gallup poll had him on September 17th down 10. The Hill had him up three, but he had been up six in that poll. Monmouth University has him up one. Politico, though, now has him down three. He had been down two. This is September 13th. Quinnipiac has him down six. So we get to the middle of September, the middle, middle of the month. He's down six in Quinnipiac. He's down three in Economist. He's up one in Fox. He's down two in the Harvard poll. He's down six in the Reuters poll. He's down three in Politico. He's down two in Economist. He's down seven in Reuters. And then we hit the end of the month. And he's tied now in the NPR poll, which had had him down eight at the beginning of September. At the end of September, he's tied. And then he's up in the Hill poll. But then he's down three in Politico, and he's down eight in The Economist. He's up eight, or he's up five in the Harris poll, but he's down four in Reuters. And then he's up four in the IBD poll. And then we cross over into October. And what's happened? What's happened? Nothing has really happened. I mean, nothing's gotten done in Congress either. Nothing's gotten done, but nothing's happened. There have been no scandals. We're now a month removed from Afghanistan. We are now headed into the beginning of October. And where is his polling? 
He's up one in Reuters. At the beginning of October, he's tied at CNN. He's down five in Politico. He's down nine in the Economist YouGov poll, where he had been down just eight. And now where is he? Here we are, the end of October. Let me give you the polling. This is important for you to understand. Let me give you the polling. Negative 10 in Gallup, negative 11 in CNBC, negative 13 in, in Selzner, Selzer poll, negative 7 in the political poll, negative 11 in the Quinnipiac poll, negative 7 in the Fox News poll. And the Fox News poll, you should note the Fox News poll had been the most positive poll for Joe Biden. He's down three in The Economist. And he's down two in Reuters. That's not even including including the partisan polling. Trafalgar down 19, Reuters down 13, but you got him down 11 in Quinnipiac. You've got him down 13 in Selzer. You've got him down 11 in CNBC. You've got him down 10 in the Gallup poll. It's Afghanistan. Two months removed. These polls, when they ask the issue, it's Afghanistan. It's always been Afghanistan. The public, you see, says they wanted to leave Afghanistan. Biden gave them what they wanted. Turns out they didn't like it after all. They didn't like the way it was done. They didn't like the way he orchestrated it. I've given you the polling going back to August. It has been down since he left Afghanistan. And you ask voters their number one issue. Sometimes they still say Afghanistan. A lot of times, actually, they still say Afghanistan. But you know what they actually say? Typically what they say, incompetence, a failure to empathize, ineptness. It's the effects of Afghanistan that are being measured now in the polls. The public's not happy. They don't like Joe Biden. Joe Biden came in as not Trump. He was the nice guy. He was the empathetic guy. He was the kind guy. He was the competent guy. He was the organized guy. He was the disciplined guy. He was the guy who knew Washington. He was the guy who could get it done. He can't get anything done. Nothing, nothing has happened other than the withdrawal of Afghanistan. No major legislation has come out of the Biden administration. To the extent anything does, it's held hostage, not by Republicans, but by Democrats. Nothing has come out. What has come out is a cluster in Afghanistan. Getting out of Afghanistan has been a disaster. And now the border situation is looming. More people are headed. 30 to 50,000 people headed this way. They can't fix that. They can't get that. And it's having an impact across the board. Across the board, it's having a problem. And so what's Biden done? He tried to make Americans the bad guy. That was his escape. Let's turn Americans on Americans. Let's get them to hate the unvaccinated. And that's not working either. The Biden administration has genuinely real bad problems with this. They can't figure it out. They can't get it done. And the polling has impacted it. And it's dragging down other Democrats. 
And then you've got all the other ideas and all the other problems and all the other issues. And they echo the polling from Afghanistan. Inflation is out of control right now. Some economists are starting to worry about hyperinflation where things don't go up just 1% or 2%, but go up 5 and 10% at a time. And that plays into incompetence. And then there's the economy. The economy doesn't seem to be turned around. Joe Biden said that the economy would turn around. We would beat COVID and the economy would turn around, and it's not. And it feeds incompetence again. And then there are the education issues. And the Biden administration tries to make the parents the bad guys. I don't know if you saw the National Association of School Boards has come out and apologized for their letter that got the DOJ to investigate. So you've got multiple issues that play on Biden's incompetence, and this one plays on his empathy. He's not empathetic to parents. He doesn't understand what parents are going through. He doesn't like parents. His administration thinks parents are domestic terrorists. There's no empathy for the struggles of parents whose kids can't go back to school. And then there's the social change stuff. Barack Obama campaigning for Terry McAuliffe says that the world's changing too quick for a lot of people. There's resentment there. Joe Biden, his only mandate was to not be Donald Trump. Instead, he decided to be as progressive as possible, to get as much done as possible. And he can't get any of it done, but he's revealing himself to be far more progressive than people thought. And it turns out people don't like the progressives. They particularly don't like incompetent ones who lack empathy. And right now, that's how they see Joe Biden, and it's reflected in the polling. Go back to August. Joe Biden was regularly, routinely ahead in the polls. Afghanistan hits, and it's game over. And it's never been the same because Afghanistan defined Joe Biden as incompetent and lacking empathy. And everything that's happened since has been read in those frame of mind for people through those lenses, and everything confirms still that he does. And unless Joe Biden can change that narrative, he can't change the course of the election. And by the way, inflation and prices and shortages, they're here to stay. So it's going to make it even harder for him to change what's going on. If you are a regular listener of this year program, uh, you know my quest for the perfect mattress. I finally found one after multiple iterations and then, of course, you got to get the perfect sheets to go with the mattress. I mean, you, you need quality sheets. Well, that's why Bull and Branch is right for you. You know, uh, there's a great, great, great company out there. Uh, they're highly entrepreneurial, and they make high-quality sheets, the highest quality. It makes the world a better place when you're sleeping under high-quality sheets on a great mattress, and you need Bull and Branch to go with your mattress. They are soft. They, you know, they've got that weighted feel, but they're also very, very soft. They're very comfortable. You sleep cool, but you also feel like you have something on you. Like, I can't sleep in super light sheets and the bowl and branch. They are the perfect purpose balance. My wife loves them. I love them. They're super soft. They're high quality. And you know what? You'll sleep well at night with them. You'll also, you know, for some reason, the bowl and branch, it, it's the sheen on them there. You don't get tangled up in the covers at night, which is also great. So I highly recommend bowl and branch. You can try them worry-free for 30 nights if you don't believe me. You get free shipping and returns. Now, my listeners get 15% off your first set of sheets with promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at bowlandbranch.com. That's bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L, and branch.com. 
The promo code is Eric. Sleep comfortably with Bowl and Branch. You won't get tangled up under the covers. They give you a little weight. They're just, they're the perfect set of sheets to go with your mattress. This hour of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan. If you're in the need of a loan for your business, a big loan, six figures and up, reach out to First Liberty, see if they can help you. FirstLibertyGA.com is their website. They can help you anywhere in the nation. They make their own lending decisions. FirstLibertyGA.com. Let's go to the phones now. 877-973-7425. Jack, you're going to be up first. Welcome to the program. Hello, uh, Eric. I, I've been, uh, I'm an energy engineer, and I've been looking at uh, this energy storm, this price increase that's about to hit. We're, we're going to more than double uh, natural gas rates because I've got enough information to know that's what's going to happen to me and I check with a couple of the gas companies and confirm that the other thing that's going to happen it looks to me like is we're going to be, have a de facto over maybe three years about a 50 percent increase in the electric rates due to two things one thing is the biden administration the other thing is this uh incompetent legislature interacting with the nuclear plants that are going to jack up the electric rates uh with uh, you know out of control uh price increases they just didn't control the cost at all on those those power plants uh, I don't know what's going to happen in water, but it can't go anything but up. And in inflation, the figures we keep seeing are 5 6 maybe 8% in the news. I think it's more like 20 or 25% because that's exactly what I see in the stores on a regular basis. So I just wanted to put my two cents. Yeah, look, I, I appreciate that. I, you're, the data that's out there is not good. Uh, the data that's out there actually is showing more and more that the only way you get the 5% inflation is if you ignore some of the stuff that consumers can ignore. In particular, a lot of the energy prices, when they say it's going to go up 5%, they discount energy. You can't discount energy because you got to fill up your car. Of course, you know that they, they want you to get rid of your car. They're okay with that. These things have long-term economic ramifications. And by the way, for those of you who missed what Jack said, the power prices this winter, the power bills are going to be obscene this winter. More and more, they're expecting a cold winter, not a mild winter. And the reality is in being a cold winter, heating oil in the Northeast is going to be much more expensive. Power in the South is going to be expensive. It's not good. And what's the Democrats' plan? They don't really have one except the wealth tax. Wait until you hear what the wealth tax is. Here's Nancy Pelosi talking about it. We do because we were ready to pay for 3.5. Right. So we certainly can pay for one point, half of that. And what, are, what is that alternate way? Is it a billionaire's tax? Is it a well, the minimum tax for corporations? Tax is, uh, shall we say, has an appeal, but it doesn't produce that much money. Okay. It's, we, because the bill is not written yet, we hope it will be written today and introduced tomorrow, only then can the Joint Tax Committee evaluate what it brings in. We anticipate $200, $250 billion, but we need closer to $2 trillion. So, so we have other things. Yeah, so what's this wealth tax? This is bizarre. An unrealized capital gains tax. Unrealized, meaning imaginary. For wealthy people, and you're fooling yourself if you think it's just going to stay with the wealthy, it's going to come to you eventually as well. An unrealized capital gains tax is you buy a stock at a dollar. Right now, that stock is $10. So if you sold it today, you would make a $9 profit. They want to tax that 20%. And you're thinking, wait a second, I haven't sold the stock today. You're right. 
That's why it's an unrealized capital gains. They want to tax it anyway, as if you sold it. What happens? What happens if you later sell it and lose money? You'll get a little bit of a deduction back, but not much. You'll have to spread it out over multiple years as well to make it back. That's their big plan. Oh, and by the way, Joe Manchin, he's totally sold on this idea, believe it or not. Y'all, from the moment I sat in my X chair, my body said, this is what a real office chair is supposed to be like. I had, gosh, I had gone through office chairs and then I got my X chair and it is the perfect chair. In fact, my X chair, unlike your chair, can massage my back while I'm sitting doing three hours of talk radio. It can even heat up and cool down depending on my office, which tends to run hot in the summer and cold in the wintertime. And it's all in the LMX massage and temperature regulation exclusively designed for the X-Chair. And once you feel the customized support of X-Chair's patented dynamic lumbar DVL, they call it dynamic variable lumbar, your back's going to be happy. What I need you to do, you got to go check out the X-Chair because yeah, I bought the, y'all know the expensive brand and I bought it. It was a good chair. It actually was a really good chair. And X-Chair takes it to the next level. What you need to do is go to xchaireric.com now. That's X, the letter X, chair, E-R-I-C-K.com, or call 844-4-X-Chair for $100 off your order. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort. You can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. It's xchaireric, E-R-I-C-K.com. It is worth it. Hello there. It's Eric Erickson. If you're just tuning in and had no idea, it's me. Go Braves. The phone number is 877-97-ERIC, 877-973-7425. Bill Malugan at Fox has been doing the greatest work on what's happening at the border, greater than anybody. He gets very little credit. You need to listen to this from him. I don't want to, I, I don't want to characterize what he's saying. I want you to hear it from him. Bill Malusian is live at the border in La Jolla, Texas with more. Hi, Bill. Hi, Alicia. Good afternoon to you. And look, those migrants, before they ever get here to where we're standing at the border, they got to make it through Mexico first. And there is currently a massive caravan trying to do exactly that. Take a look at this wild video out of Tapachula, Mexico this morning, where you can see thousands of migrants in a brand new caravan literally just forcing their way through a Mexican roadblock with Mexican National Guard and security forces. They literally just, like a hot knife through butter, just push right through those soldiers and those police forces and uh, it wasn't much of a roadblock at all. Thousands of those migrants able to just run right through it and continue on with their march. Again, this is a brand new caravan heading towards the United States as we speak. Take a look at the second piece of video showing when the caravan first started marching earlier this morning. Again, this is Tapachula, Mexico, which is in the southeastern part of Mexico. Thousands of them being led by an activist who essentially says that the Biden administration's policies are kind of like a cattle call to these migrants, enticing them to come to the border. So so they are starting their march. They're going to do so. Uh, this march is apparently so well organized. They have QR codes for people to participate in them. And they're carrying around American flags. They had uh, banners that said uh, Joe Biden for all. This is DHS sources have been telling Fox News all week. You can expect tens of thousands of migrants to start showing up at the border here, uh, you know, within the next week or so. Tens of thousands of migrants coming back. Will the media cover it? Will they, will they cover it? Will we see the media engaged on this issue? I, I'm not sure we will. I'm not sure. 
but it's happening again. In fact, uh, Bill this morning covered a uh, tanker car in Texas. Now, you know, when you see trains go by, it's the round ones. It's the tube-shaped ones. And they took the top off of it. Now, it's, it's still hot down there in the desert. It's in the 90s. There were men inside the tanker car. In Texas today, in the heat of the desert, they found a tanker car filled with men, illegal aliens trying to get into the United States. There are several things here that need to be said. First of all, uh, we should not condone or incentivize coming here illegally. Second, we should marvel at this. The number of people who have come across the border because they so desperately desire to be here, the extraordinary lengths they will go to show up because they love America. That's extraordinary. It's truly extraordinary in my mind that they would do this. They will come here, do whatever they can to get here because they're desperate for the United States. The number of people in this country who want to fundamentally change this country because they don't like it, and yet there are people who are dying in the desert trying to get to this country. The juxtaposition between the two is is striking. The number of people who think this country is hateful, racist, bigoted, homophobic, xenophobic, transphobic, phobic of all kinds, hates other people, unwelcoming, unhostile. And there are people dying to come to this country because it's the land of the free and the home of the brave. And they want to be a part of it. They want a better life. You can still get a better life here. No one is trying to sneak into China to get a better life. They're coming here. And I think we're going to have a better immigration situation. We shouldn't condone illegal immigration. We shouldn't encourage it. That's part of the problem. We've got a massive caravan of people headed to this country because Joe Biden sounded like he was condoning it, sounded like he was allowing it, sounded like he wanted it. And that's unfortunate. So here we are. Pulling men from tanker cars on a railway who were in sweltering heat because they wanted to come. They wanted America. And the left wants to fundamentally transform this country. Maybe that's their backdoor immigration proposal to keep people from coming here. Who would want to come here with the socialists in charge? I mean, my goodness, did you see what the Hispanic voters in this country did to the Democrats last year as they started talking more and more about socialism and defending it? The people who have immigrated here don't want it. And now that gets me to a phenomenon I'm deeply bothered by. 
Ligon Duncan is the chancellor of Reform Theological Seminary. I am a student at Reform Theological Seminary. Ligon Duncan was quoted by a uh, Twitter account that I follow that generally does good work, but is a, a short snippet from a larger sermon on what if it's God's plan to change this country, allow immigration, allow immigrants into this country to, to allow this country to be changed back. The, the people who come here are far more religious than the people who were here. It was taken to, to suggest maybe he's woke. He, he's too pro illegal immigration or something. He's not, but he was vilified and attacked as being woke. Another clip surfaced of Ligon Duncan talking about race in America and that as he talks to his black friends in the church, how he realizes that that his words in the past may have hurt them unintentionally, unknowingly, as he's talked about racial reconciliation in this country. By the way, I, I, I don't know. I, I know there are people who don't think we need to, but I'm in the camp that we need some level of racial reconciliation in this country. That doesn't mean we need government reparations. It doesn't mean we need the government. It means you and me working together need to do more to find common ground with each other in this country instead of driving each other apart, particularly on racial lines. And we need to recognize that in the past, for a variety of reasons, a lot of Christian denominations, particularly in the South, didn't do a very good job of loving their neighbor if their neighbor wasn't their skin color. And we're doing much better now than we have in the past. I'm actually really appalled at the number of people I know who the moment a preacher brings this up says, oh, that's woke, that's woke. No, 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 no. It's not critical race theory. It's not woke. You know, Ligon Duncan is one of the very first people who told me I needed to start reading up on critical race theory and getting familiar with it because it was coming and it was going to be a fight. He actually leads an organization of evangelicals that write about it, document it, explain it, and explain why it's bad and why it is uh, the, the antithesis of being able to reconcile with people. And yet he's being attacked as being woke because he talks about racial reconciliation. You know, there's a difference between talking about racial reconciliation and talking about critical race theory. They're not the same thing. Some people talk about the former using the latter. Some t- people talk about the former using Christ. To attack a conservative Bible-believing preacher is being woke because he says something you don't like? Your brain's broke if you think Lincoln Duncan's woke. And yet here we are. Evangelicals in America having a culture war among themselves over these issues, making things political. And by the way, it's not one side. It's both sides doing it, and that's part of the problem here. And the number of friends I have who conformed their politics to or conform their faith now to their politics, that if you're a Christian and you talk about X, Y, and Z, or or you're friendly with a certain group, well, you must be woke, you, 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 you must be no good, you must have gone left. And I see this not just in the evangelical movement, but within the conservative movement now, where if you have friends with people who aren't conservative, you must be somehow bad. I think we should want to have friendships with people who disagree with us. How are we ever going to bring people to our side if we can't be friends with them? And this, I I, I got to say, this is the thing that bothers me the most about our present age, particularly in politics, is that both sides, the left and the right, at this point, think they have become so tribal 
They think that you can only have friends on your side of the aisle. We can reach out to and we can talk to people on their side, but you better not hang out with them. You better not be friends. They might convert you. Pity the church that refuses to send missionaries into the Middle East because the missionary might convert to Islam. Pity the conservative who won't be friends with a liberal because they might become liberal. Pity the progressive who won't have friends with conservatives, which is more likely than the other way. It's far more likely a conservative will have a progressive friend than a progressive will have a conservative friend. But pity the progressive who won't be friends with a conservative unless they become more conservative. We should be willing to reach across the aisle and become friends with people we might disagree with. Because we can learn from the other side. You know, none of us are infallible. None of us are infallible. And because none of us are infallible, we can learn from other people. We may may wind up having profound disagreements, but we can still learn. And in learning, we can improve our own arguments and we can be more persuadable to the other side. We should not issue reaching out to the other side and trying to explain in civil terms our side to them. And, you know, this goes back to one of the other issues here, that our side, the conservative side, tends to be far better at explaining progressive positions than progressives are at explaining conservative sides. Why? Because we as conservatives tend to be able to understand the other side better because we have friends with the other side and we listen more. And the other side does not listen to us. The other side wants to bully us, badger us, send the mob after us, silence us. They don't want to listen to us. They don't want to listen to what we're saying. They don't want to understand us. We try to understand the other side. They don't want to understand us. And we have tens of thousands of people who are walking, walking to the United States of America right now. Walking through jungle, walking through swamp, walking through desert, walking through a a drug cartel-fueled battlefield to get here. Because while so many of us hate each other, no longer love our neighbor, they want what we no longer appreciate. They want the American dream. We're so busy fighting over the American dream, they know what the American dream is. The idea that they can come to this country that is not a country of blood and soil, but a country premised on the idea that all men are created equal and are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They want that America. And so many of us are squabbling with each other over, what does that mean and is it racist? No, it's not racist. It is for the people who can get here and come here, but they got to follow the law. So many of us are dividing ourselves, willfully dividing ourselves, willfully trying to say, if you say something I disagree with, you must be woke, you must be bad, you must be progressive. Excoriating good men because they're conforming their politics to their faith and so the other way around is, is not helpful. It's really not helpful for progressives to want to fundamentally transform this country when so many people are dying to get here for the country that is, not the country that could be, not the country the left wants, but the one that is, the here and now, the good, the bad, and the ugly. They want it all. 
And I, my heart breaks for them. They are not the bad guys. The illegal aliens coming to this country, hiding in train cars, dying, trying to get here, they're not the bad guys. They're desperate. The bad guys are the politicians like Joe Biden who told him, I'm not Trump. Y'all, come on. You're going to be welcome. The bad guys are the ones who lured him here. The bad guys are the ones who said you would be welcome and lied to them. The bad guys are the American politicians who lied to them. Desperate people can do bad things, but that doesn't make them bad people. It makes them desperate people. Good people can do bad things, and it doesn't make them bad. But a lot of people can lie for political gain, and that is bad, and they are bad. And they've lured these people here. I wish we could welcome all, and we can't. I wish we could. And assimilate them all in, they would make, I mean, if they're willing to go to those links to get here, you know they'd be make awesome Americans. They're not the bad guys. But so many of the people in this country, so many of the politicians in this country, who lured them here and then want to divide us, they're bad. This issue is not going away. It's only going to get worse. Tens, 20, 30,000 people headed this way. Because Joe Biden told him he wasn't Trump, come on. And now he wants to run from the problem. You and I have the power to fix the problem. Joe Biden's given up on trying. I got a question for you. You know, uh, Buttigieg, Pete, Mayor Pete, he went on paternity leave for two months. Nobody noticed. He He's saying he wants to use Tucker Carlson's outrage about it to, to raise awareness about paternity leave. Uh, I got a question. Did y'all know that Mayor Pete went on tour? That's where he was. Somebody produced a documentary about Mayor Pete's run for the presidency. And he was seen in Chicago on tour with the documentary at the premiere. Um, that he wasn't there with his family, by the way, he was there by himself. Anybody, y'all know that? Um, listen, uh, I, I, I don't think you can attack the man for taking paternity leave. I don't think you should. I, I do think though, that we should also recognize he's a cabinet level official. And as a result has, uh, responsibilities that he can't just shirk off to some subordinate and he needed to be more hands on deck. And apparently nobody noticed he was even gone and, that's the issue. Nobody noticed he was gone. God bless him for taking paternity leave and for taking a, giving a child a loving home. But, I mean, he does have responsibilities. All right, to the phones we go. Alex, welcome to the program. Hey, Eric. How you doing, man? Good. How are you? Uh, doing wonderful. Just driving home from work. Nice. So, Eric, I am a liberal progressive, as progressive as they come. And every single day... Uh, on the drive home from work, I listen to you or to Sean Hannity. Now, I don't agree with anything Sean Hannity ever says, but I agree with about 12% of what you say sometimes, and I really respect you, Eric, because <laughs> uh, – and now, hey, I'm a Mercer University alum. I spent a lot of time in Macon, Georgia, so we have that oh, there you go. as well. Uh, but, hey, I really believe in listening to the conservative side, and I, you know, I don't agree with much, but I think it is important – and maybe not many progressives do, but I think you'd be surprised uh, at how many of us, you know, we do hear the conservative viewpoint all the time from our parents, from our grandparents, from our aunts and uncles. 
you know, I, I'm 32 years old, and I oh, well, thanks for calling day. me old, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> no offense, Look, no offense. Yeah, yeah, I see the but, point. Uh, I, I, man, I just I looked at the clock. I got about 20 seconds, but man, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, it it's nice to to know you yeah. agree with me 12, percent so a little more than my wife does, which is which is useful. <laughs> thank you for listening. Uh, you, we we got you, you got to make friends with people on the other side, folks, and not talk politics. And that's one of the if I could snap my finger and make it happen, we would all be friends with people who disagree with us on politics, and we'd all be better off because of it.